guys. Welcome back to The Well with Shan, and I'm so glad you've chosen to join us. We are veering off of our normal schedule today where we would do a motivational drop to do another podcast in response to just the gratitude for all the love and support you have shown our family through the episode with Levi Alexander and the Autism Spectrum episode. And uh, Levi is feeling like a superstar right now and uh, very, very encouraged. It's meant so much to him. And of course, we did that for him, but we also did that so that all of us could be more informed about the autism spectrum process, what it looks like, uh, because most of you probably do know somebody who's autistic. And it really helps all of those who are more typical to be able to understand, relate, and informs our ability to connect. Um, Now, all of us have, you know, different perspectives or different experiences with disabilities. I have a dear friend who's going to be doing an episode with me. She has a son with Down syndrome and is also the mother of eight. And we're going to dig into this more She um, and my cousin, who had a trisomy uh, 18 child who has passed away, dear James, uh, my little cousin, both of them have faced the reality of the lack of dignity of life um, because there is a narrative in the medical community that trisomy 18 is incompatible with life and um, actually can encourage toward abortion as can Down syndrome babies. Um, And so both of these mothers have really championed and triumphed their children and celebrated them because they deserve life. And as believers, we hold to that, of course. Um, But different people have different um, experiences. And our journey with autism has uh, been very difficult. Now, some of that may be the way we held it. Some of that could have been the impact on our family. Um, But certainly the way that it plays itself out is a contributing factor to um, the way you think about it or or the way you hold it. And so I am just compelled as um, all of the, the sweet affirmations and Uh, love and support is coming in to also really speak to the other side. And it's not that I'm desiring to be pessimistic or negative. I just want to keep it real. And I want to keep it real, um, not just for rawness sake, but because I know the heart of mothers. Mothers are ones that carry these babies in their very bodies. Our breath hinges on the wellness of these children. And when we don't think we're doing it well, when we don't think the outcome is going right, we are so prone to guilt and shame. And so I know there were some of you who watched that interview and thought, and have even said to me, Shan, you're so accepting and and you're so loving and you were so... Um, affirming to Levi. And I just want to be genuine with you that I think I failed miserably as a mom. Um, There were, I'm sure, things that I did right or things that I did well. 
but it was such a difficult process. Some of it was rubbing against my own sin nature and rubbing against my, my comfort idols. And some of it was that our situation was so over the top that it was difficult to figure out how to thrive. So I just want to give you a brief couple of examples. For about 10 to 15 years in our home, we never had one meal together, not one, where we were able to get through a devotional, where we were able to get through a prayer, where we were able to get through a family conversation, not one. We could count maybe two to three times in a 15-year span that we were able to get in the car and travel for 20 minutes across town without having to stop the car and deal with somebody who was having a meltdown or who was screaming because they got hit or was having some kind of... um difficult time with with the dynamic in the family. There was a lot of anger in our home. There was violence in our home. There were a couple of years that I was really nervous that when I took the kids out, that if somebody saw our dynamic or if they saw the meltdowns, that the police would be called on our family. I lived in fear of the police being called. And so what that did for us is it created a place where the other children often didn't feel safe, um, often did not feel like they were getting what they needed from their parents. Um, It often set us up for very little um, quiet time, very little um, just laughter and playtime. Now, we did try to take um the the kids out uh for dates all along the way where we would get some one-on-one time with them i think that was something that we did well um but you know there was sleep deprivation there was um a time where we we bought a home and and moved our kids um so that they could have a good school system to kind of um, compensate for some of their disabilities. In that process, we bought a home that was really bigger than we could afford so that each child could have the safety of their own room. And that sent us into some financial um, strain because we were what you called house poor. You know, we were living in this nice neighborhood, living in a nice home, um, but it really strained us among all the therapies and other things that we were having to pay for. And um, so that was a little bit of, of the picture. Now, it wasn't the whole picture because I know Jesus was there, um, but it was a big part of, of the picture. And I'm so glad I didn't raise my kids in the times of Facebook and all the social media that is going on today because... Well, I would read books on parenting, and inevitably, every single one of those I would throw in the trash. They would make me so angry and so shamed. And there's a lot of talk right now out about the big six, which is those parenting things that 
you need to do to bring wellness, um, uh, emotional empathy and connection with your child. And I believe in teaching toward an ideal. I believe that it's, it's a wonderful thing to aspire to. But those big six are things like attunement, responsiveness, and the regulating of emotions, the regulating of our own arousal. And I look at these and feel so much parental shame because in our home, there was no regulation of emotion. It was, it was so difficult to manage and that can bring incredible shame to a mom. Now, in the middle of all that, it was really this context and this real this setting that caused me to have to face in to what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. And for years, I struggled with the reality that I cannot thrive in this kind of scenario. It was deeply grieving. It felt like failure. It felt like a consistent traumatic scene of development for my other children. Um, It felt like, honestly, Sometimes I would struggle against feeling like God had set us up for failure. And again, I I don't recuse myself of my own responsibility and my own sin and my own struggle. Um, But it, it was so dark during those years. Now... The thing I want to tell you is sometimes in the midst of that deeply grievous place, um, we can be doing the work of grief, but it doesn't mean that it gets better. Not in a year, not in two years, not in five years, not in 10 years. It's only now, guys, what you saw on that video where we are emerging out of that narrative and starting to shift in a healing narrative. And we are still really at the beginning of that healing narrative. And so what I'm able to do now in midlife is, is kind of cast a hopeful picture toward the bigger story. Hope for Levi, hope for his siblings and my other children, hope uh, for this new stage of life, which God is redeeming. The thing I want to keep pointing you to and myself to in this narrative of grief and sometimes despair, certainly dark, dark days, is that when I look back in the big narrative, I can go back to when Levi was about three or four years old. And we went through um, a bit of a situation that really brought us to our knees as parents and through that journey we hooked into what's called sonship which is a gospel-centered bible study uh, discipleship that rocked our world it was so central 
to just the basic teaching of the gospel that I am not an orphan. I am not a fatherless daughter. I am not judged on my performance. I do need to repent, but it's this deep connection I have in the righteousness of Christ and his work for me that is so real, so tangible that it gives me hope. And that security of being so incredibly loved gives me the ability to face into my sin but it also gives me the deep understanding that he remembers we're just dust. He is not up there shaking the finger saying, Shan, you failed again. Mama, you screamed again. Mama, you get your act right. He is instead saying, Mother, I know you can't do it. I know you fail. I know you lay down again and wonder, am I enough? And my words to you, dear sisters, is that we could never be enough, but he is, Jesus is. And it's such a beautiful freedom to know that when I fail and when I'm not an unconditionally loving mom, when I'm not an accepting mom, that he does make the difference. He does love my children. He does redeem stories. He does come through and is faithful. So I want to encourage you with that word. We can't do it. We are just dust. But the Lord's compassion never fails. His mercies are new every morning. He loves your children. Disabilities are no ch disabilities. He loves your children more than you do. And in his goodness, he does see us through. Hallelujah. Come back again for the Well with Shan in just a few days with Camille Hallstrom talking about singles in the kingdom of God. Blessings. Mm -hmm. Your truth. And 